Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 79 of the Citrix Session. I'm your host, Andy Whiteside. I've got a slight change today. Bill Sutton is on a much-needed vacation, so Bill's not with us, but Ben Ben Rogers from Citrix is on. Ben, how's it going? Very good, Andy. Glad to be here today. Just getting through a little vacation myself, so uh, you're one of the first people I'm jumping back into, man, so good to see you. So while you were gone, Microsoft decided to rename their product. All right. I'm assuming you're well aware of this at this point. Uh, if I'm not, educate me because I know there's a few things coming down the pipe, but I could be thinking of one and you're thinking of another. So let's get on the same page. Well, I, I don't know if you're just playing along here, but this is perfect dialogue. So Microsoft originally called their product Azure Virtual Desktop, AVD, and then the marketing guys probably got a hold of it and decided to call it uh, Windows Virtual Desktop, WVD, and the whole world has gotten to know it as uh, Windows Virtual Desktop, and and then now they've rebranded it uh, Azure Virtual Desktop again, which is right and what they should do, and we're going to talk to Alan here in a minute. He's going to help us help us understand what this means in our world. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I know you're on vacation last week and maybe this is a joke that didn't go off quite quite right, but uh, Microsoft, is, it's no longer WVD, it's AVD. Well, what where I thought you were going was the, you know, I've heard that Windows 11's out in the field now in the wild. So I didn't know if you were going to go down that rabbit hole or not, but that's where I thought you were going to go for a little bit. Well, that not on this podcast, but at some point we're going to call out the fact that Windows 10 was supposed to be the last operating system. Uh, and as we all know, every quarter it got a new version, so it really wasn't the last. It was just the last name. Uh, at least that was what they were talking about. And then now it's going to be Windows 11 uh, because, you know, every once in a while you got you to spice it up a little bit. So Windows Perfect 10 is now going to turn into Windows Better 11, uh, and we'll cover that one at, at some point. We've got Alan uh, Fermansky on. Alan, how's it going? Pretty good, Andy. How about you? Uh, it's good. It's busy, like we were talking about before this. Uh, and if you're not busy enough, just hang out, and one of the vendors will change something marketing-related, like a name, and we'll have all new stuff to talk about, right? Absolutely. Keep us on our toes. We love it. Now, it'll be interesting to see how true my comment was just now. All new stuff is really maybe just the same old stuff with a different name, or maybe there are new new things to go along with Azure Virtual Desktop. But you, uh, you recently wrote a a blog that I'm going to share my screen here and we are going to go through and the, the, the title of the blog is what is Azure virtual desktop and what's new about it. And I'm going to throw in the, the word, what's really new about it. And I appreciate you jumping on to go through that with us. Yeah, my pleasure. So help us uh, understand the announcement real quick. I mean, we're really just starting off with the idea that as of June 7th, uh, 2021, Microsoft announced the change in Windows Virtual Desktop product name to Azure Virtual Desktop. Any any context around just the announcement itself? Sure. So uh, I guess by the time this podcast goes live, more or less two weeks ago on June 7th, Microsoft did announce the change of Windows Virtual Desktop becoming Azure Virtual Desktop. And they did it in a blog. And their blog went over some of the expanding capabilities and really how that name change best aligns with the with the roadmap and where they're looking to take the offering. Yeah. For, for me, it's kind of like Citrix presentation server from a technical perspective was the right name for what eventually became Zen Desktop FlexCast Platinum Edition or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Uh, it, it this Azure Virtual Desktop is probably what it's always been. Uh, and then now they've got reasons why they want to bring that back out of the back out of the closet so that people start calling it Azure Virtual Desktop, especially 
as it relates to, to partner like partners like you guys. Um, so, so what, well, let, let me do this real quick. Ben, um, did this, did, is this news to you or did you know before you went on vacation, this was happening? I did not know that they were doing the rename. Uh, and to be real honest with you, Andy, we've had a few conversations with customers talking about WVD. I mean, that's a, that's a big thing that we, we tout as far as our ability to manage that. So I was unaware of the name change. It makes sense to me. But uh, as of Monday at, uh, at 12, 13 p.m., it's a little bit of a curveball for me. Yeah. Well, and, th- and I highlight that because you're obviously well in tune with this industry. And it's almost like this kind of snuck out behind all of us. And we didn't most of us didn't get a chance to realize it was coming. Uh, and, and maybe we'll talk through with Alan that it's just a name change. And maybe we'll talk through with Alan that this is a game changer. I, I do want to highlight, again, the idea that for a company like Citrix, which is a good partner of Microsoft's, this actually helps. Because this kind of takes a little more, uh, it kind of gives a little more credibility to the idea that it's really an Azure virtual desktop, and uh, you bring the broker of your choosing for what you need to do. And and as we all know, Citrix can do a lot of things to become a great broker and management plane for a Microsoft Azure virtual desktop, which was the same thing for Windows virtual desktop, uh, but now it may be even more clear uh, to people what it's doing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I mean, from from our side here in Citrix, we really view this as a fantastic foundation like we have for years with remote desktop services and part of that terminal services. So Microsoft provides this fantastic foundation. And in this case, instead of taking advantage right, of the Azure Virtual Desktop brokering components and gateway, um, you're effectively leveraging your Azure Virtual Desktop entitlement to use Windows 10 Enterprise multi-session, perhaps even some Windows 7 with extended support. And then you're leveraging the Citrix components, the Citrix broker, Citrix cloud services to really give you that uh, best in breed user experience, best of breed overall uh, performance capability, and also some cost savings as well, which we'll talk about. So Alan, I want to dissect a couple of things you said there. Um, you, you mentioned um, the, uh, the, the, the Microsoft and Citrix, you know, kind of the brokering uh, actually, nope. Here's what I want to ask about first. Sorry, my brain's all scrambled. Uh, sure. Where does that uh, Windows 10 Enterprise entitlement come from? If you're a customer, yeah. So, so the Windows 10 Enterprise entitlement, uh, it'll come from a Microsoft subscription, right? So, as part of like your your M365 or other corporate subscriptions that you have with Microsoft, you'll be able to take advantage and run Windows 10 Enterprise multi-session in the Azure Public Cloud. Uh, and, and the great thing about that particular entitlement from a cloud perspective and a compute perspective is you effectively are, are using this modern operating system and potentially others, and you can take advantage of the, the Linux pricing for the compute rate. So a lot of customers have this as part of their subscription with Microsoft already, and adding Citrix on it, again, allows them to do much more while ultimately spending less. And if you've been around this part of the business long enough, this is basically just the revisiting of embrace and expand to get customers the features they need to run a shop that has uh, the ability to to step up to the calling of what the enterprise demands out of its virtual desktop platform. Exactly. And not just from the, from the enterprise, Andy, one, one great uh, solution here, we're seeing a lot of uptake in mid-market SMB customers as well. So I think, 
this type of solution can really span the gamut from some of those larger enterprises to even those uh, smaller SMB type customers. We have uh, subscriptions and, and use cases across the board there. Yeah. Hey, hey, Andy, can I uh, can I play customer for a minute and uh, ask a few questions that I'm I'm kind of curious about and kind of educate myself a little bit here. Sure. So, we're, we're we're talking to customers about uh, Windows Enterprise Desktop out in Azure now. WVD, what it used to be called. So it'd be hard for me to break here for this. But one of the things that uh, I've always had a question about is that Azure desktops or WVD, what it was called before, that can only be run in a cloud environment on-prem. Is that correct, Alan? In a cloud environment, it cannot be run on-prem. Correct. So, so Microsoft's Windows 10 Enterprise Virtual Desktop is a multi-user version of Windows 10 that you can only run in Azure. That is 100% correct. Can't be run on-premises. So, so that's one thing that, as a customer, you really need to understand about this technology is, yes, you are being given the cows to do this with your e-agreement like Andy was just talking about, but this can only be run in an Azure environment. And natively running it by, the, by itself without a Citrix management platform, we're hearing that the cost of running it in Azure can be fairly expensive, the compute side of it. And so what we're seeing where Citrix can, you know, make some significant savings is bringing down that compute cost, our ability to manage those VDI sessions better, better disk consumption, better CPUs consumption. But that's a that's kind of a difficult mindset to kind of think about when you think about, you know, using Windows 10 in a multi-session environment and how that's going to affect your compute costs in an Azure environment. So those are some of the things that I... I kind of wanted to bring out to, again, educate myself, make sure I'm thinking about this correctly, but also educate our customers as far as what are the capabilities of this and what does this really mean for your compute environment as you go forward? So guys, that's that's what we're going to cover here um, a little bit later in the blog uh, succinctly. And then if we don't cover it, then call us back out and play customer again and try to challenge whether we covered it or not. Uh, and we definitely will. Um, but Alan, before we go there, can we talk through this section that says, what does Microsoft Azure Virtual Desktop do? Which I think we've kind of alluded to, but let's call it out point blank, what it really is versus what a lot of people think it is. Yeah, exa exactly, Andy. Let, let's go ahead and do that. So Azure Virtual Desktop, think of it simply as Microsoft's DAS solution or desktop as a surface. Uh, it is cloud delivered and DAS, unlike VDI, is more turnkey. Right? So we're providing, or Microsoft is providing images of the operating system, and then you have your cloud subscription. So you can literally go from absolutely nothing, no infrastructure, nothing at all, to full-on provisioning apps and desktops in the cloud in a matter of hours. Hey, Alan, um, can I pause you on that real quick? Is yeah. there, there a reason why you didn't specifically manage desktop as a service, or is that what we're getting ready to highlight Microsoft Azure uh, virtual desktop is not? Yeah, great point. So. Microsoft is is looking at options around managed. And of course, that's where the, the partner ecosystem continues to come in. So there's varying uh, degrees or levels along the way, right? So you go from standard VDI, 
Then you can progress to DAS in which you have the full-on cloud infrastructure and OS templates, everything there, simplified, more turnkey. And then beyond that, right, as you mentioned, options for managed, be it uh, Microsoft and or someone in the partner ecosystem, really taking almost a full-on um, hands-off approach in, uh, in, in most circumstances. Yeah, so Microsoft is happy if you're just running your virtual desktop in Azure, if you're using their brokering system, their management plane, that's great with them, but they embrace very much you getting the best experience you can by bringing in a partner like Citrix to enable and extend what their solution does. Absolutely, they sure do. And to that point, that's why they call this up by name in their announcement blog. <laughs> so it's a, it, you know, continues to be a great partnership. And we often hear the story time and time again, why Citrix, why Citrix? And and the story is very much the same. Again, allowing customers to do far more while ultimately spending less over the typical life cycle of the environment. Yeah. So let's uh, let's use Ben's role play from a few minutes ago and let's kind of jump into some of those. And then I think we're going to dive deeper into them as we progress, but you've got three bullets in here. Uh, the first one is enable hybrid multi-cloud. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so exactly. So there's three main pillars to the value add that Citrix provides to Azure Virtual Desktop. The first is around hybrid and multi-cloud and only Citrix is, is able to provide the industry's most comprehensive single pane of glass to manage any on-premises virtualization deployment. So meaning across major hypervisors such as Citrix Hypervisor, vSphere, Hyper-V through SCVMM, as well as Nutanix, and public cloud infrastructure, which of course is Azure, but other public clouds such as AWS and Google Cloud, and doing so with the necessary tooling and transition capabilities for customers that may be on-premises today to make that move to true hybrid cloud with our Citrix cloud services. Ben, any uh, thoughts or comments on that piece? I think that uh, this is going to accelerate people's journey to cloud. And I'm excited to see how we start to really get customers to embrace this technology. We see, you know, microchip shortages, data center refreshes coming up. Now's really the time to start talking about this. I think you're also starting to see the future of subscription models when it comes to OSs, when it comes to desktop OSs. And so this is the next step. So, man, I'm really excited to talk to customers about this technology. Uh, you know, rebranding is one thing, but what the technology does is really, really the core. So uh, I see this being an accelerator. I see this being an exciting time to be in the business and starting to talk about, you know, what's the next steps specifically as we see customers data centers kind of getting aged out and them having to look at hardware refreshes. So in my opinion, the time is now. So, so great stuff that's coming down the pipe. Uh, very excited that we've got this model in place and that we're able to do this management and just really looking excited to get in front of customers talking about this technology. So, so guys, I call this the Switzerland effect. And that is where if you haven't decided, am I going on premises? Am I going cloud A, cloud B, cloud C? Um, Citrix brings the ability to choose any of those, uh, even private, you know, private cloud, uh, colo cloud, uh, infrastructure as a service, basically anything infrastructure as a service into the mix. And as much as this blog is about Azure Virtual Desktop, 
Citrix is that piece that allows you to have Azure Virtual Desktop, but not to be exclusively dedicated to Azure Virtual Desktop. Exactly. That that's spot on. And and aside from customers maybe just making a preference of a specific cloud, increasingly we are seeing that multi-cloud where it makes sense to run one set of applications in this public cloud for whatever business reason. It makes sense to run another set of applications in another public cloud for whatever set of reasons. And it make, that makes sense financially. Maybe you know these backend uh, cloud vendors, application vendors, SaaS vendors have uh, different affinities for specific clouds. So running the workloads where it, where it makes sense to do so. So what's this next pillar? It says uh, optimized operations. What are you covering there, Alan? Yeah, so the optimized operations is around accelerating Azure Virtual Desktop deployment and lifecycle. And special emphasis on the lifecycle as well, because you know, a lot of times customers will get caught up in actually setting up the environment more so than understanding the true lifecycle of the environment. And we can help in both of those areas in terms of the tooling that we have with our auto configuration tool to help customers seamlessly migrate from one or more on-premises Citrix environments to Citrix Cloud and even establish a desired state configuration amongst their Citrix Cloud environments. So uh, the auto configuration tool we have will uh, ensure sync between say your dev, your tests and your prod sites, making it incredibly um, seamless across the board. And then uh, all of our provisioning technologies, all of our uh, management and monitoring technologies. Uh, when customers go at Azure Virtual Desktop alone, you really have to think about all the additional kind of point solutions that, that you would need just to get up to a, a foundation in which you can uh, really utilize the, the environment as you'd expect. With Citrix and Microsoft, you get everything out of the box, ready to go um, at scale for whatever use case uh, you might have. Right. So I, I think one of the important parts of this, Andy, is the scalability. I mean, we can make it scale out. So as you have workloads explode, or contract for whatever reason, you know, you think of seasonal workloads right now, we're in the summer vacation season, um, man, we really have the ability to manage that scale much better than some of our competitors or Microsoft themselves in these, in these environments. And, and then I'll use that comment to take bullet number two and tie it back to bullet number one. Imagine a world where you're running, let's say Nutanix on premises or VMware on premises and you want to deploy on top of Nutanix, on top of Azure, and you, and you also have Azure, uh, and you want to bring all that together, I mean, Citrix is about the only way where you're going to do that, and it all be just built right into the product and supported. Well, I, I'll tell you an interesting story that we've got working right now, and Alan, I'd like your input on some of this is, you know, exactly right, busting out your workload. So we've got a company, it's a United States company, but they've got a huge call center in India. And what we're doing is we're allowing the United States employees to come in via traditional on-prem. They're hitting storefront, they're hitting the desktop on-prem to reduce latency and take advantage of the Azure backbone. We've created um, an environment in India and the Indian employees are actually hitting an Indian tenant and then riding the Azure backplane back to the United States. So again, there might be different reasons why you might be having these workloads in multiple environments. In this particular reason, we saw a better experience when we brought the workload in the cloud versus trying to bring it in the on-prem. So again, if you've got an international customer 
are an international organization and they've got workers that are spread across the world, there might be some advantages to bringing some of those international users into a cloud environment and riding the cloud environments infrastructure instead of trying to ride the public internet infrastructure. Yep. No, that, that, that's a great use case there, Ben. I really like how um, that organization is leveraging cloud from a geographic perspective. And you can do that even if maybe the applications are necessarily cloud native to find the best you know, routes and network paths to really optimize that experience. That's a great story. Yeah, I, I use, in this scenario, I use the uh, idea that, you know, you live in a, a suburb of a metropolitan area where you can ride the train and you should ride the train or public transport when it makes sense. At the same time, you might have a, you know, you might have a Tesla in your garage and you may also have a gas powered SUV in your garage. You don't want to limit your options because getting where you need to go, when you need to go there, even though you don't know yet where you're going to need to go uh, is a necessity. Okay, let's uh, let's talk about this very last bullet, Alan. And um, I mean, does anybody even care about securing the user experiences these days? That's a joke. <laughs> no, of course, no one. Yeah, so securing user experience. This is one where at Citrix, we really believe that security and user experience don't have to be mutually exclusive. And that's why we've invested heavily in both areas. From the user experience perspective, uh, you know, a lot of folks know our HDX suite of high definition experience technologies, ICA protocol, best in breed, uh, graphics delivery, uh, voice, our interactivity of our sessions, the peripheral support, and it goes on and on, which we can further extend to cloud and cloud native type uh, technologies as we're embracing different types of uh, perhaps endpoint devices that can easily connect up to the cloud and deliver all all the resources that users need. From the security perspective, a lot of great things, a lot of great value that we can add to Azure environments and just environments really in general. So the story carrying over in terms of our highly secured workspace app client, actively preventing against uh, malware like uh, key logging technology and uh, screen scrapers. We have a highly secured embedded watermark that many of our customers are taking advantage of for specific applications and specific use cases is actually embedded in the ICA stream. So it's very secure. And then like we've done for years, the, the notion of contextual access, right? Some folks who have that history with us know about smart access and smart control. And that carries over even more so into the cloud when we're talking about uh, different regions, different connection patterns, uh, different uh, endpoint locations, making sense of it all. And speaking of making sense, our, our analytics to, to really ensure that the environment is secured and that we're optimizing the user experience by leveraging machine learning technology that runs in where else? In Azure Data Lake that we've set up as part of our Citrix analytics uh, backend. So uh, defense in depth measures for security and then really providing that, uh, that best of breed user experience regardless of how users are connecting to the cloud. Ben, I know you're a uh, security nut and I mean that in an enduring way. Uh, comments on this one? Oh, this is, this is, uh, this technology to me, you know, is sexy. When I talk to customers about them going to SaaS, the first thing that usually, you know, they say is, well, our, if we go SaaS, that's going to reduce our dependency upon Citrix. And I go, no, that's, that's not true. And this is the reason why it's not true. When you go SaaS, you lose ownership. And that's something we've talked about several times here. And these tools specifically give you ownership back. 
one, you know, just like we were saying, we can publish the application like we've done uh, for years. We can put security around the application. So we can take a SaaS application that generally has no security that's implemented by the organization that's purchasing it. It's usually in, in implemented by the organization that's selling it. But we now can say to the owners of the SaaS application that's being purchased, you can implement security on the SaaS application. You now have control of who gains access to it, how they gain access to it. So uh, just a really a nice suite of uh, security features that we can put with our products. Uh, again, you know, with the analytics coming down the pipe, man, we're able to do things like tell what employees are doing when they're in the ICA sessions. You know, pre-pandemic, the answer we could give them is, hey, you've been in X minutes, X hours. Now, within those X minutes or X hours, we can say, this is what the users are doing. So it just builds a much more uh, better story for administrators, a better experience for the users, and just an overall better experience for the organization that's implementing our technology. Hey, guys, let me sum up these three bullets by asking you this, Alan and Ben. Do you know what your multi-cloud needs are going to be six months from now? Do you know what your optimization needs are going to be six months from now? Do you know what your security needs are going to be six months from now? If you're a customer, how do you think you answer that if you're being honest? No, or maybe at the, at the, at the best case scenario. So maybe six months from now. What about 12 months from now? Even less clear. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. My point in all that is Microsoft, for all the great things they do, they're paddling as fast as they can just to get caught up with stuff that we've had for five plus years in the space. That's where it takes you know proven leader to to add to what they do to embrace and extend these items and more. Well, I think one thing with it, Andy, is it gives agility and flexibility to organizations. So none of our technology really locks you into a particular vendor. We really give you avenues to test multiple vendors, to have multiple vendors, to judge and analyze multiple vendors. So my biggest thing when I wrap these three pillars up is really giving agility, flexibility to organizations so that not to say they don't have to worry about what's coming down the pipe in six to 12 months, but at least they have a framework where they can make some decisions really quick if the game changes fast on them. And that's what I try to point out to people when I look at this is set the environment up so that you can't have all the answers today, but as things come down the pipe, you have different directions that you can head. You're not locked into one certain scenario. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's spot on, Ben. And, you know, we haven't even talked about some of the other capabilities like resilience and high availability and how, in fact, right now we're rolling out the new feature called service continuity for the Citrix cloud services that provides a true design for failure of the control plane and backend resources. There's literally nothing else like it in the industry to really ensure that users can continue to connect to backend apps and virtual desktops in the event that the you know, portal goes down, that the, you know, some of these key components go down, that, that they have that level of resilience. That, that's, that's huge. I think one other element to add in all this is take these three things and then apply that to the ecosystem partners, like an iGel, like a Bitdefender. I could go on and on and on. 
Um, this is also a conduit that allows you to embrace and extend those folks while not being limited based on where they are in this life cycle. Yeah, very so, fair point. So next topic and Ben, you can put your customer hat back on all this as well and good, but a lot of people run their business from a, from a financial perspective and a bottom line perspective and how much can I save on every transaction perspective, Alan, help us see where we get all this and we save money. Absolutely. And this is, you know, if, if you're listening to this podcast now and you don't get anything else out of it, I think, you know, this, this is the next few minutes that you want to listen to, right? Cost-driven conversations. Maybe all these other capabilities we've talked about don't matter to your organization. Hopefully they do. And chances are they do, but maybe it doesn't. And you're purely cost-driven and that's, and that's totally fine. With Citrix and your Azure entitlement, you're again able to do far more while spending less. Okay, so how do you how's the spending less part? Well, I'll go ahead and give an example. So I give one example here in the blog. I'll briefly talk through a higher level example. Uh, and then we encourage you to check out the blog and check out the cost calculator tool that our team has put together. We've already updated a couple of times and this will let you walk through different scenarios for your organization in terms of size, workload type, and other factors to show you side by side the savings, the, the break-even time, and other real key metrics. But imagine for a moment that we have an environment with a thousand users, they're medium workload users, and we're taking advantage of Windows 10 Enterprise multi-session. All right, so pretty, pretty run-of-the-mill type, type scenario. And a traditional Azure virtual desktop native environment in terms of compute, the subscription, other details, um, third-party add-ons that would be required, that's going to be roughly $1 million, give or take, over a typical three-year term. Now, granted, there's Citrix subscription on top of that. So if you go with a, a Citrix subscription with our, our cloud services, it'll be approximately 250 grand additional. And then we break down all these additional categories that you're going to realize tangible savings over the coming months and years. Things like not having to worry about any additional third-party point solutions and add-ons, your operational savings, the efficiencies around our best-of-breed management consoles, monitoring, log tools, the compute savings, technologies like our workspace environment management that uh, can optimize everything from, from idle sessions to legacy applications, both memory and CPU optimization, then we have our network savings, our, our best of breed ICA protocol that we touched on earlier, storage savings, how we can uh, leverage maybe uh, less expensive type storage and provide caching capabilities through our uh, machine creation services and MCSIO. And then our auto scale. So that is powering the uh, machines off when they're not needed and taking an intelligent approach to how we're managing uh, VM uptime in the cloud. So the net net after all this, you go from, if you were to have a pure native Azure virtual desktop solution, roughly around a million dollars, you add in the Citrix licensing for around 250K, and then over a three-year term, you're, you're ultimately, you're, you're net-net, you're saving 350K on top of what you would have saved. So roughly 750K, uh, more or less, versus a million uh, plus. So the savings are very tangible while again, allowing customers to do more, 
greater agility, greater features. Um, it's a win-win. And, and this is what's really resonated well uh, for customers. So you get to save money and you get to future-proof those other three pillars as best you can, as well as embracing, embracing the ecosystem. Exactly. From two industry vendors that have been working together for the better part of three decades. Hey, Ben, any thoughts on this? Well, let me say this first. Uh, I often quote my good friend, Doug Brown over at IGEL, who used to be at DAB or still has DABCC radio. Uh, I'm too cheap. I'm too poor to buy cheap. For example, I can't buy, I can't buy a cheap piece of luggage that only lasts me two trips. I should spend twice as much to get one that lasts me a couple years. Save, spend less in the long run. Ben, any thoughts on this coming from the customer side? Not too, too long ago. Well, I mean, I, I've, I appreciate the cost savings. I, I think one thing that we need to add here, uh, which is, a, is, which is a cost savings is just engineering knowledge and learning, um, with Citrix, again, we can put you behind one pane of glass and you can manage these multiple environments. So as engineers switch from on-prem to Azure, they're not having to reinvent the wheel. They'll have to learn some of the Azure infrastructure, but from the Citrix side, it's pretty much what they've been used to doing today. We're going to put them in studio. We're going to give them, you know, machine catalogs, delivery groups, the same things that they're used to doing. So one additional cost savings on this is just engineering training and how fast can you get your IT talent on board with this, which is very quick. The, the transition from on-prem to cloud is very quick. The other thing that I'll add to this is I can't tell you how many customers I sit in front of once they get in the, these e-agreements and they get to leverage the Microsoft licensing. They think it's free. They think, oh, Microsoft has now enabled us to use Windows for little cost. And that's just absolutely not the truth. The truth is, is that what Microsoft is hoping the cost will come from and where they'll make their, their profits is you running these loads in Azure. And our tools give you the ability to manage those loads in Azure better than what the native Microsoft tools are. So my last comment is, you know, Alan mentioned our calculator. The proof's really in the pudding. And if any customer would like to challenge us on this, this calculator tool will break the cost down it will show you, you know, what your compute savings are, and it's it's accurate. I mean, we've seen this go to market and go in from testing to production, and the numbers be spot on. So uh, challenge us on this. Allow us to use this calculator with you, and allow us to show you the savings you can you can achieve by using Citrix on top of Azure. Yeah, so I think I think that that's spot on, and and you know some other things to consider too. I think you kind of alluded to it, Ben. Right? Is that being that Citrix is managing the management plane, keeping everything evergreen, there's other hidden savings, hidden hidden cost savings there too, right? You don't you no longer have the Citrix or the Windows team needing to submit tickets and talk to the SQL team, or you know submit tickets and then start talking to the networking team. So you know a lot of these components being managed by Citrix really helps from an efficiency standpoint. Um, and then a couple other things. So from a training perspective. Our customers have access to free training. In fact, I was on a call just earlier today with our, our training team. They rolled out a brand new cloud learning series at training.citrix.com. So great courseware, really helping customers through the journey. And then also we have our cloud success, uh, which is at success.citrix.com, really mapping out the broader project and what their uh, longer term vision is. So these are all tools that are included as part of the process. 
And then another fantastic resource that we just released recently, and uh, I don't know, perhaps you'll even have a, a separate podcast on it, but we commissioned Forrester to do a total economic impact or TEI report on Citrix Cloud Solutions apps for apps and desktops on Azure. And that just went live. So it's another fantastic resource. I had the pleasure of uh, collaborating and working with the team on that. Great resource. We inter- they're forced to rather interviewed four actual uh, customers and they surveyed an additional 30 plus to really build a holistic picture with metrics and quotes and just a lot of great detail around the true value savings for Citrix app and desktop solutions on Azure and an Azure virtual desktop entitlement. So I encourage folks to check out that Forrester TEI. So guys, here's the question, Alan. What's new other than the name? What what happened? What changed, <laughs> if anything? And it's okay to say nothing. Yeah. So, you know, honestly, from our perspective, I, I don't believe too much has changed. Now, on Microsoft's blog, they have made some feature announcements and some things that they're working on around, uh, I believe, some additional Azure AD integration and some capabilities. Uh, my understanding is a lot of a lot of those items were kind of on the roadmap already, but it was sort of the coming out party, if you will. Like, hey, we're changing the name, so we'll go ahead and announce some of the roadmap plans there. Uh, From the Citrix side, we have a public roadmap now. You can just search Citrix uh, roadmap or Citrix apps and desktops roadmap and you'll find it. So honestly, Andy, I think it's it's more longer term vision around the name and how they're broadening it. But at the end of the day, we're always going to be there with Microsoft to provide the additional value add as they're providing additional uh, capabilities, they're expanding. Um, Look at, think about use cases like, like uh, like Linux VDI, for example, right? I mean, it just wouldn't make sense to have Linux VDI if you're calling the solution <laughs> Windows Virtual Desktop. So, uh, you know, that's where my mindset is at. They're kind of they're kind of broadening the spectrum. Like, um, I don't know if you guys ever had their, you know, you know, the restaurant hey, Boston was- Market, right? They used to be known as Boston Chicken, and everyone thought they just had chicken, and then they changed the name, right? Boston Market, kind of uh, more, uh, you know, more options along the spectrum. So, so kind Alan- of similar similar story here. Let's use your exact comment just now to jump on what we've covered in this podcast real quick. What if they become uh, able to have Azure virtual desktops in their Linux and not Windows? Do you know any partners of theirs that are prepared to support that day one? We'll be there with them. That's right. We'll be there with them. Absolutely. Uh, Just just like we have with... uh, Windows 10, you know, pick pick any other OS flavor, right? I mean, just the, the engineering and PM collaboration continues. And you've got uh, roughly eight years of getting good at managing Linux in your back pocket to bring to the table. Absolutely. I'm, I'm personally very proud of our, our Linux support. I know it's been a few years since we've done like, well, year and a half since we've done like in-person conferences, but I distinctly remember, uh, I'll just say a, a generic industry conference. I was working the booth and large enterprise customer came up and uh, they had looked at a number of enterprise VDI solutions and showcased Linux VDI on Azure. They were incredibly impressed with the responsiveness, the capabilities, and that was a that was a key part of helping close the deal. I was a customer out of EMEA. Hey Ben, before we wrap up, any additional comments on this topic? No, again, I'm I'm excited to get in front of customers and talk about this technology. I believe in this technology, and I think this is going to again, accelerate customers to the cloud because now we have the ability to stand up true VDI desktop as a service in the cloud and get people now with a true migration path from their on-prem environment to a 
cloud environment with a desktop solution. So really excited. Uh, again, I, I challenge customers to challenge us on some of these statistics, some of these figures, calculator, you know, the proofs in the pudding. Let's have the detailed conversation. Let's show you how we can save you some money. Yeah, and on that, I would tell people to think long-term as to what they don't know they don't know yet and how long it would take for Microsoft to react to the challenges ahead, which it's just not their full-time job. It is Citrix's full-time job. Yeah, and that's, hey, that's Alan, fun on. Uh, so. As we wrap it up, any, any additional comments? Well, from my side, I know there was a lot to take in for our listeners here today. A lot of great resources. I'd encourage everyone, check out the blog, check out the Azure Virtual Desktop cost calculator that we spoke about. Check out our alliances pages. If you are a current customer of the, the solution or maybe a prospect, you're, you're trialing it, definitely check out some of the learning content that we have on training.citrix.com and then our success center, success.citrix.com. And we're here to help. We're, we're heavily invested in, in customers' success as they make the move to hybrid cloud on their terms. And we firmly believe that Azure Virtual Desktop provides a very solid foundation. Like I mentioned before, as we've seen over the years, remote desktop services and terminal services, Citrix is always going to be there to provide that next level value and that next level cost savings that uh, frankly, no other, no other vendor out there can do it in the way that we can. Yeah, I would encourage our us our listeners, uh, users, listeners, hopefully both, uh, to check out uh, WV Month WVD Monthly, uh, which is the podcast. I guess I'm gonna have to change the name of uh, that we do. We highlight all the great things Microsoft's doing to try to to, to accelerate the platform. At the same time, there are things that we've talked about here that are years, if not a decade, away from them getting done. And then Citrix at the same time isn't standing still. So it, it's just a better together kind of story without a doubt. And, and Alan, I appreciate you joining and, and covering this topic yet again for us and highlighting the things that are, that are the realities of this. Yeah, sure thing. Anytime. Ben, appreciate it. Welcome back from vacation. Appreciate it, Andy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, now go get some work done. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, thank you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you later.